Hello and welcome. I'm Marla Baker. I'm a business development specialist and the founder of MarlaBaker.ca. I'm thrilled to be here with Kimberly and all of you. Thank you to Blanco and to IDS for making this trade day seminar possible. Today we're going to learn all about confidence, all about confidence and how it affects everything you do. You're going to learn how to let your inner expert come out and run projects with confidence. Now, I am honored to introduce our leading lady, Kimberly Selden, interior designer, advocate-in-chief of Business of Design, which is celebrating their 20-year anniversary. Congratulations. Kimberly is a design expert on CityLine, author, mentor, friend. <laughs> Everyone, please welcome Kimberly. Thank you. I don't know why, but I thought there was something happening before me, so I'm just like chilling out here. Uh, very nice to be here, everybody. I'm Kimberly Seldon. This is Cheryl Horn. If you guys have ever been a bit member of Business of Design or you listen to the podcast, you know she's the person that keeps the machine running, and it's been 20 years in October. Uh, what are we talking about today, being the expert? Oh, I'm going to talk about uh, my journey from... Um, you know, graduating from design school in 1991 and not knowing anything about how to run a business and uh, really having to figure it out on the fly. So I always start off by saying, everything I'm gonna to talk to you about is not theory. It's stuff that I live and breathe every single day with real clients and real budgets and real scale and budget conversations and design fee conversations and deficiency conversations and all that stuff is happening in my life all the time. And I do think that's important because if you wanted to learn how to be a surgeon, you're not gonna to wanna to read about it in a book from somebody who took a few classes. You wanna take it, you wanna take your training from somebody who's in the field and knows what the heck they're talking about. Um, I also, oh, super famous, yes, super Canadian famous, uh, which is to say uh, not at all. Uh, but I, I have been lucky because uh, I've had a long career in television. I've had several of my own TV shows. And that does give me an advantage, uh, I think. It gives me a lot of clients. It gives me access to a lot of people who think, oh, she's on TV, she must know what she's talking about. So when I started back in 1991, all those people phoned my office and we took all those jobs and I disappointed every single one of those clients. There are still clients to this day. If I see them, I will cross the street to avoid them because I know they think you're such a douche, <laughs> right? Not because I wanted to be. I really wanted to make them happy. How many of you feel like you're a people pleaser? Yeah, honest to God, I was willing to work weekends. I was willing to work evenings. If you wanted me to do something ridiculous, I would say yes. I would do anything to make my clients happy. You want to sleep with my husband? Go for it. If that makes you happy, we're going to make that happen. That was my attitude. I'm just going to work really hard, and I'm going to make my clients happy. And you know what? Nah, it didn't work. It didn't work. I worked really hard, that part worked, but I wasn't able to make my clients happy. And so you're gonna hear a little bit about that and how business of design is a business now, but it, it didn't, I never sat, started out thinking, I'm gonna launch a business and teach other designers how to run their business. What happened for me is in desperation, I hired a business coach and said, 
You couldn't want to make clients happy as much as I want to make clients happy and yet fail so hard for so long. What is wrong with me, right? And the answer to that question is business of design. So essentially, back then, my business coach said, pretty much everything you're doing is not the way you should be running a business. And so if you're willing to work with me uh, and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, I can help you create a better business. And that's what I did. Uh, and, and I'll talk a little bit about business of design in our 20th uh, birthday party, which is very, very exciting. But this is a picture I love to start with. This project's from like 1999 or something like that. It's a very old project, so do not judge me, okay? It's old. I know it looks old. But this is how every single project that I took on back in those early days ended, right? Some of you were smiling and nodding right away, so you know exactly, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You convinced the client to buy the sofa, you convinced the client to buy the drapes and the coffee table and maybe an area carpet, and everything is going great. And some months have gone by, right? You have a meeting with the client, you do the consultation, then you show the client some floor plans, and they love the floor plans, and then you show them some furniture, and they love the furniture, and then you show them some drapery fabric, and they love the drapery fabric, but they're kind of confused. Does the drapery fabric go with the furniture that you showed me two weeks ago? And there's a little bit of back and forth, a little bit of back and forth. And finally, like nine months, ten months later, here you are. And you think, thank God. I'm going to get some pictures for my website. And then the client says words that to this day I have post-traumatic stress disorder, just thinking about it. Kimberly, we just love everything you've done. We really do. But uh, the, the mister and I, we're just going to finish it ourselves now, right? We're just going to pop on over to HomeSense, pick up a couple of pillows and some artwork, and finish it ourselves. To which you say what? No! <laughs> right? But no one hears your scream. You say, oh my god, no, we just have to get some pillows and a couple of throws and some artwork and then it's all going to be, no, 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 Kimberly, it's okay. We feel like we've learned so much from you and it's been such a good experience and we're just going to finish it ourselves. And then, and then you say, okay, but, but remember we talked about you also have a cottage and we were going to do the, oh, it, 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 we'll, we'll call you, we'll call you. Do you know how many people called me? Come on, help me. Zero, big fat, not a nothing, right? So anybody can relate to this? Is, or am I the only one? Am I the only one this has ever happened to? Or can anybody like go like, yeah, I've been there. Okay. So this was the story of my life. And again, don't judge me, but there's a big damn difference between the first picture and the second picture. And it has to do with finishing the project. The problem with not finishing the project is what? It feels unfinished. What else? Don't have pictures for your website, right? How many times have you gone to an interior designer's website and you've seen those other pictures and you're like, oh, that's tragic. It's because those are the only pictures they got, right? So what else? What else is wrong with this? Yeah, it's not very representative of your design. Worse, if the client finished without you, it might even be a terrible advertisement for you. She might tell her friends you helped her to 
right? That's even worse. But you're not going to get any repeat or referral business. And that was really one of the things that most embarrassed me, that here I was, this expert on TV. I was in Style at Home magazine every single month because I was a decorating editor. And I, was, I had dozens and dozens and dozens of clients, and I couldn't make them happy. They didn't hate me. They didn't say, get out, we never want to see you again. They always said, we love you when we have another project. Someone smart would have figured out that that was fired. But I thought they really were going to call me. So it took years, and I did this little game for years. And so when I hired this business coach in desperation, I said, is it too much to ask that we could start the project and finish the project and take a photo? Is that too much to hope for? And she said, no, but you'll never get there the way you're doing it. Because I did it this way for a decade, and it didn't work. So I want to talk about our topic today. I know you have talent. I know that you have heart, you have drive, you have passion, you have all that stuff, right? You have a vision. All that stuff comes naturally probably to you. And maybe you enhanced it with some learning along the way. But the piece that's missing, the thing that's killing us is, let's see, confidence, right? That's the thing that's killing us. This is how I envisioned myself, right, when I launched my design career. But this is what I really looked like on a good day, right? I used to work all day, and then after we got the kids in bed, we would begin what I called the second shift. And my husband worked for me during the second shift. He didn't get paid. He had his own job, right? Does this sound familiar? I just kept thinking if I could work harder, if I could work smarter, if I could get organized, if I could make better to-do lists, if I could just get better clients, if I could just have better trades, if only I hired the right staff, everything's going to be fine. But guess what? A lack of confidence meant all of this stuff was going on. I charged low fees because I had no self-esteem. I was undisciplined about invoicing clients. You know, at the end of the month when a bill was due, I didn't want to fight about it. So I'd say, I'm not going to bill them for this right now because uh, things are a little tense. I'll just delay the billing. Anybody done that? How'd that go? Pretty shitty, right? Don't do it. I had revenue, <laughs> terrible. Poor project control, demoralization. I would go to an event like this, and I would run into you looking all beautiful, and I'd say, oh my god, how are you? And you'd go, I'm amazing. My clients are amazing. My projects are amazing. And I would walk away and think, what is wrong with me? Right? But I would say to you, oh yeah, me too. Everything is great. Then I'd like, go and get Oreos, right? <laughs> That's what you do. So I learned working with a business coach, but mostly because she threw a teeny tiny little book at my head that was called The E-Myth, The Entrepreneurial Myth. And she threw this book at my head because I couldn't get it through my head that my interior design business needed to be as reliable as a bank and as reliable as a Starbucks. I kept saying to her, I don't know why you don't understand, but every project is different. 
Every budget is different. Every scope of work is different. Every scale is different. I can't, I'm not running a Starbucks. Not every client doesn't get a cappuccino. It's different. And she would say, it's not different. And we would fight and fight and fight and fight. Then she threw this little book at my head, and it was like, oh, OK, I get it. The premise of the book, it's, the original one was really tiny, I, you know, very few number of pages. But the premise of the book was this. If you create systems to run your business, anybody can run your business, because all they have to do is read the systems. So for example, McDonald's, right? Here's a billion dollar company, and the people who work at McDonald's are you know, teenagers, high schoolers sometimes, who are managing to sell product in exactly the way McDonald's wants them to sell product, and the end result is a billion dollars. It's pretty smart, right? What I couldn't figure out is how do you systematize what we do? That seemed impossible. And that took me a decade to do. Once I realized, oh my god, we need systems, I actually decided I wanted to create a linear, logical order for the progression of projects. What if I could say to the client, We'll start at step one, and we finish at step 15. And you're going to enter the decorating train at step one. And we're not going to open the doors until step 15. We have you, you're trapped, you're ours. And then I would know that every single project I started would get to the end. How do I do that? At that point, I thought, how am I going to trick them to stay with me until the end? Right. But that isn't what had to happen. What had to happen is I had to systematize all the things I did in my business, right? And then once I did that, once I systematized everything, the clients relaxed. They let me lead the project. They let me be the expert. And I also knew exactly what I was supposed to do next. I just followed the bouncing ball. And that's, it was hard to create, but now that I have it, it's a game changer. And so I want to talk about some of the ways that's where confidence comes from. Confidence is not going to come to you because you've had 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 clients. It's not guaranteed. It's not going to come to you because you've been in the business two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years. Some of you are like 21 years old, and you think, well, of course I don't have confidence. I'm 21 years old. You can have confidence if you rely on systems from day one of running your business. And tragically, we're not taught that in design school. I remember my first, uh, my experience in design school, we had one business class. And the teacher said on like day one, OK, put your hands up, any of you, if you want to make money. Put your hands up. And right, right a man, he goes, yeah. <laughs> right? Right? What's wrong with you? People's right. But I was taught that that was sort of crass, right? That that looked a little, you know, suspect. No, I just, you know, I want to make people happy. I want to make beautiful rooms. So a few people put their hands up kind of timidly, like, okay, I do need to make money. After all, it's a job, right? And the teacher said, I'll never forget it. He said, well, 
you're in the wrong business. You're going to die broke and bitter like me. So you might as well think about a different course. And then he proceeded to teach us the business of design by pulling out some contract that was from the 1800s that he couldn't even decipher the words of. And then off you go out into the world, all these you know tragically unprepared people. So if I think about how am, when I, when I thought about back then, how am I going to systematize my business? It was so overwhelming because where the hell would you start? Nothing was working. And I did not start at step one because there was no step one. I didn't have a step one. Where I started was anything related to money because that's where I was getting my butt kicked. So that looked like charging design fees that were too low. And then on top of it, just to make sure I stayed broke, not billing the client for all the time I spent on the project, right? And it included not sending invoices to clients on a regular basis. It included not collecting invoices from clients on a regular basis, being embarrassed to say to the client, you owe me money. I, you know, I feel uncomfortable about that. That feels like needy or something, right? You owe me money, right? I needed to have a system for every single one of those things, every single one of those things. And what happened for me is I couldn't figure out any of that. And instead what happened is every Tuesday, uh, this was a suggestion of my business coach. My entire design team would get together for a meeting we call Top Line. And Top Line was, we had 13 designers at one time, and Top Line was a chance for me, the boss, to hear where we were at with every project. Mrs. Smith, this is happening. Mr. Smith, this is happening. Mr. Jones, this is happening. All that kind of stuff. And that was top line. And then at the, when we finished a client project, when we got to the end of a project, we'd say, yay, we finished the project. And we would give the client what we called the client binder. It was a document that contained the floor plans and the paint chips and the fabric swatches and the warranties. Pretty standard stuff, right? And I'd say, OK, we finished Mrs. Smith. Who's going to do the client binder? And somebody would throw their hand up and say, I'll do it. I'd say, amazing. And then they'd say, remind me, what's in the binder? And somebody would would say, well, paint chips and fabric swatches and warranties and, uh, oh, yeah, floor plan. Don't forget the floor plans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so she'd go away. She'd come back to the next top line. She'd bring a binder, and everybody would look at the binder. We'd spend a half an hour ooing and aahing at the binder and say, oh, you know what would be really nice? We should have our logo on the front, and maybe there should be some printed tabs at the side so you know what section of the binder you're in. Oh, okay, and she'd go away, and she'd come back with some more of the binder a bit more modified, and then the week would follow, and we'd go through the binder again, and everybody would have more suggestions, and we'd keep improving the binder, till a month later, finally the binder went to the client, yay! And then, because I had a big office, we had a lot of projects on the go, somebody would say, okay, we finished another project, we'd go, great, we need a binder, who's gonna do the binder? And somebody'd go, I'll do the binder, and they'd say, what's in the binder again? And we'd say, there's paint chips, and they'd say, I did this for years, you're laughing, because of course I was an idiot, but, you know how you're just so busy? You're just so working, 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 working. You can't even, you're just, you're just on automatic pilot. Just keep it churning it out. Just keep running as fast as you can. I didn't have any opportunity to sit back and go, whoa, what's happening here? So we literally did that for years. 
And finally, in the middle of one of these top line meetings, I'm like, oh my God, we need a system. We need a system for producing the client binder. And then we spent a month creating a system to produce the client binder. And what happened is, from that point on, I've never looked at a client binder. Where before, every client binder had to come to me for approval because after all, my name was on the door, so I had to look at it. Now, the client binder goes out, I don't even see it because I know it's 100% being made to my exact specifications, like a McDonald's hamburger. The president of McDonald's does not have to go to the McDonald's in Downey, California, where I'm from, which is where the oldest McDonald's is, by the way. He doesn't have to go there and check on them making burgers. He's 100% confident, or she's 100% confident, that the burgers are being made to this exact specification. And that was my first system, the client binder. Even though I was dying in the money department, the very first system we ever had was the client binder. I'm going to jump into some of the systems and some of the things to think about as you're, you know, developing confidence in your business. Um, and I'm going to start with step one, which is the consultation. So the consultation has so many systems attached to it. For example, before the consultation, we have systems for pre-qualifying the client. So when I say pre-qualifying the client, I mean, what is the message in any of the collaterals a potential client might see of me before she or he hires me. What, what, are those, what are those brand messages? What's happening there? And this is a good example. We see a lot of interior design professionals, they say, I, I am or I want to be a high-end luxury interior designer. Great, let me see your website. And I go to the website and I see something like this. Book your free one-on-one, -on -one. call now, exclamation mark. Nothing about this page, if it's a web page, says I am a high-end interior designer, right? Isn't that pretty obvious? We see this every single day. I only wanna work with luxury clients and it's like, bye, 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 you know, free, free, free. Luxury clients are repelled and repulsed by this kind of marketing strategy. So when we talk about pre-qualifying collaterals, we're talking about what does your website look like? Does your website look like the kind of place where a super high-end luxury client would go? Does it look compelling to that client? I say this all the time, and it's one of the most important things I finally had to figure out. Your fee is your brand. So using that same example, I want to only work with high-end luxury clients. I'll say, great, what is your fee? And somebody will say, well, I know it's kind of low, but you know, it's like mm, 75 an hour. Uh, guess what? High-end luxury clients think a designer who's selling her services for $75 an hour isn't good enough for their project. You get that, right? So I have a really close friend and she has more money than God. She's so frugal. If we want to go somewhere, if we want to go on a trip, and you know how you can go to a website and you can sort hotel rooms from highest to lowest or lowest to highest, I sort always highest to lowest. She sorts always lowest to highest. 
You're never going to convince my girlfriend to spend 500 bucks an hour on interior design services, even though she can afford it. But you could convince me to do that because that's the snack bracket I shop in. I might not be able to afford it in some cases, but I sure as hell want to. You know what I mean? So that fee is really bait to hook the client you want, to hook your ideal client. So, so really think about that. I know it can be really scary to raise your rates, but if you want to grow your business and work with a higher level of customer, a low rate could be the very thing that's pre-qualifying that client to go somewhere else. Right? And I use the same example all the time. Cheryl says I can't talk about it anymore on the podcast. But I definitely want to have a neck lift. I have a turtleneck on today, so you can't see the problem. But trust me when I tell you it's there. So as I'm shopping for someone to do my neck lift, and I get three prices. One person is $2,500. One person is $5,000. And one person is $10,000. Which person do I want to do my neck lift? You said five in the middle. You're just messing with me. <laughs> There's no way I'm going for the cheap one or even the one. I want the best of the best. I want the person who did Jane Fonda's neck. That's who I want. She looks amazing, right? That's how the luxury client thinks also. And that's how somebody who wants to be a luxury client thinks. But it's not ever how a person who doesn't want to spend money on your category thinks. You will never convince the person who doesn't value what you do to spend money. But the person who values interior design, however that is, organization, landscaping, design build, renovation, decorating, the person who values that will pay you for it. But first you want to establish a fee that's going to attract the right client. Does that make sense? Let's do this. We have enough time. Everybody just jump up from where you are. I just want you to meet two new people and tell them what you charge. Look at the enthusiasm. You guys are overwhelming me with the excitement. Look at you rolling your head, some shaking the head no. Come on. Come on. Up off your feet. This is going to feel good, I promise. Just meet someone new and tell them what you charge. Right? Have a seat, please. Hilarious. That was hilarious. First, I couldn't get you out of the chair. Now I can't get you back into the chair. What happened for you people? What happened? What did you learn? You, it felt uncomfortable talking about it. So you learned that. What else? Every person has a different price, right? There's a plastic surgeon for everyone. Yeah, there's the do-it-yourself version. It's just two bulldog clips that you attach at the back of your neck. What else did you learn when you were sharing fees? Yes. Yes, all these justifications and qualifications. And you're going to the, my plastic surgeon, and I say, so do you think you can help me? Well, I do, but you know, I am from the Niagara region, and so I'm not, you know, it's not like we have great necks in Niagara, so... <laughs> Freaking kidding me? This is, I'm just backing away. I'm going to go to somebody else. What about this, though? I, I'm looking for plastic surgeons. There's this one that's $10,000 for necks. 
do I have a lot of questions for this plastic surgeon about where she went to school and what her training is like? Nope, 10,000 bucks, you must be good, right? I'm not saying it's accurate, but it is true. There was this old movie of the week years ago with Sybil Shepherd playing Martha Stewart. And Martha Stewart wasn't Martha Stewart yet. And she was selling pies at the local mall in Connecticut. And she's wearing a little khakis and a little white shirt. And she has these pies displayed on a table. And they're beautiful. She's Martha, for goodness sake. She had beautiful pies. And the pies are $5. And she sits there all day long. It's time-lapse photography and they show she starts out all fresh and then she's discouraged and then it's almost time to go and she's really frustrated. So she takes the sign that says $5 and she rips it up. And I'm thinking, poor Martha, how did she ever get her start with such a bad beginning? But then she does something, she creates a new sign right on the spot, a brand new sign. What do you think the sign said? Right. I thought, and you probably did too if you watched that movie, she's going to write a new sign that says two for five. Because the answer to every problem is, I must be too expensive. Why did the client not hire me? I must be too expensive. Why won't they let me do their renovation? I must be too expensive. It's a, it's a little thing that we make up and we keep on a loop in our head. But she ripped up that sign and she, it said $30 for a pie and a lineup formed. Why? Because people thought a $30 pie must be good. A low fee is broadcasting a lack of confidence at best, but at worst, it's positioning you to be not an expert, but an amateur, a hacker. So you've got to raise your fee. You've got to, I don't even know what your fee is. I don't 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 know what your fee is. You should raise it. 100% you should raise it. How many of you, when you did this little exercise, thought, I should raise my fee because the person I was talking to charges more than me? Anybody feel that way? Yeah. Anybody, anybody feel like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. My fee is so low. Anybody feel that way? Yeah. Anybody feel like my fee is so high, I'm killing it. Crickets, right? So raise your rate. That's your best pre-qualifier. And put that on your website. Every system I added to my business increased my expertise. I didn't learn more at design school. I didn't put in more time in the game. I became an expert as I was able to rely on systems and not negotiate the things I had in place. So in addition to raising your rate, the second part of the equation is actually billing the client for the amount of time it takes you to do the project. And that's true whether you're working with an hourly fee contract or a flat fee contract. I have both, I have hourly fee and flat fee. I make an equal amount of money whether I'm doing flat fees or hourly fees. 100%, I can do either one and I can make money. But I have to be really clear who my ideal client is. I put out that fee as bait. That client comes and I know I can make that client happy now because I have these 15 steps that I just follow on repeat over and over again until they are like completely burned in my mind. 
Something else that was critical, and I would say if, if there's anything that's 100% the most important thing I did for myself in terms of transforming me from the cowering, terrified interior designer into an expert was, has to do with the contract. Because the contract is my opportunity to list all the boundaries, protocols, and systems I need to run projects in one place in writing. And at the beginning, as I was creating these systems, and I was doing things like asking for a decent retainer or asking for a decent flat fee, I was terrified to talk to clients about it. Terrified. I, I took courses, I signed up with a shrink. I did everything I could to gain confidence. None of it worked. What worked for me is writing out the answers to the most important questions and the most difficult to answer questions in my contract, and then reading the contract line by line to my clients. I say that all the time. Read your, client line, read your contract line by line to the clients, and people go, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I will. And then I'll, you know, six months later, I'll say, did you read your contract line by line? Well, some of it. Did I say read some of it line by line? I don't think I did. I think I said read it line by line. Because it was in the reading of the contract that I began to internalize the structures, the boundaries, the systems, the protocols. I internalized how to talk about money with confidence. I internalized how to talk about deficiencies and why if you're my client and there is a deficiency, I am going to bill you for the time it takes to correct the deficiency. I, I can talk about that now with ease, where before, oh my gosh, I could not talk about it. I lived in dread of the two questions clients always ask. Every single time I'd go to a consultation, I would think to myself, I hope they don't ask me blah and blah, because I don't have an answer. I don't have an easy answer. I don't have a good answer. What are those two questions? How, who said that? How much is it gonna cost? Yes, thank you. And what's the other question? take? I feel like you guys are in the advanced AP course. Yeah. What's the answer to those questions? <laughs> right. I don't know. Right? But hoping the client isn't going to ask them and then faking it if they do ask is not the solution. The solution was coming up with an answer to those questions that made sense that was logical, that I could read to the client initially because I was so scared to say it. And what happened was, every time I read that contract, I gained a little more confidence. I became the expert I wanted to be. And today, I'm, I have completely internalized all of it. And it didn't take very long. I would say if you, if you have the right contract and you read it out loud, out loud three four times, you will be shocked at what happens in you. You will be shocked at what happens in you. And it's better for the clients too, because you're preparing them for how it's gonna work if they hire you, right? So systems are the solution. I did a course in New York, oh, right before COVID, 
and um, it was with a wonderful guy named Blair Enns, and we talked about a mantra. And this is the mantra, and you're all welcome to have it. I am the expert. I am the prize to be won, right? I'm going to position myself through pre-qualifying and qualifying my clients that I am the expert, and if you hire me, you are so lucky that you've hired me. I did not feel that way in, you know, in 2000. I felt like if you hire me, things are going to go pretty good. <laughs> you know, I don't feel that way now. I feel, imagine, I feel 100% of the time when I start a project, I'm 100% sure at the end of it, I'll be able to take photographs if I want to. I don't even think about it. doesn't even occur to me to worry about it. But this is where I had to get to. I'm the expert. I, I'm the prize to be won. I'm on a mission to help because I do want to make my clients happy. I do want to create beautiful spaces, build beautiful homes, design beautiful kitchens. That's important to me. I am on a mission to help. Missions are big. Missions are powerful. They matter, right? But I can only help if I lead. And that's the piece that we just, as an industry, have not figured out. We have so many people, so many associations telling us, don't you worry your pretty little head. You just do the decorating and let other people deal with project management and procurement and all that kind of stuff. And I'm here to tell you that you could pay the bills, maybe, if you're just selling your services on an hourly fee basis, but you cannot grow wealth, you cannot pay yourself an amazing salary and retain profits in your company unless you are also earning money on procurement of goods and services, both. You, ha you have to be able to do that if you want to make money. There's no way to make money only selling your hourly fees, to make money, capital M money, right? So I'm, I'm gonna say, and then the last part says, not all will follow. So you may have a client who says, I'm not willing to follow the rules of your game, of your, the way you run your projects. That's great, that's not your client. But the best thing you can do for yourself is weed that person out before the consultation. And we do that by pre-qualifying. Get your website to reflect the position of an expert. If you have 32 projects on your website, but only three of them look like the powerhouse you wanna be, get rid of the other 28. They're wasting real estate, right? Raise your rates, put them on your, on your website. And I always say too, if, if there's any way you could hire someone else to answer your phone, someone who's just a salesperson, who's not an interior design professional, you probably will get a lot more consultations. Systems are there to help you deliver on the promise, which I guarantee in my, crop in my contract, I guarantee I can deliver this project on time and on budget. How do I do that? With systems, right? One system at a time, and every step in the 15 steps has dozens of systems. But they're so easy to follow. Anybody could follow them. If I can follow them, believe me, anybody can follow them. And Cheryl's telling me we don't have time to get too much into it. Uh, but I'm first going to say, if you are not yet a Business of Design member, we need you and we want you. Business of Design has never been the primary place I make money. I make money as an interior design professional, and I make a really good living. 
Uh, business of design has always been my way of helping transform the industry one designer at a time. That's our mission statement. So for 129 bucks, you can have access to every single system I use on every single project. You will double, triple, quadruple your profitability. I know that because it's happened for hundreds and thousands of designers now all over the world, which is amazing. Most people are not members for a hundred years. They're members for like five months, six months, nine months, a year, two years. And during that time, you will see immediate results. I know you will, so please consider that. And now, do we have time for questions? Does someone have a question? We do. We're going to start the Q&A now. And... Um... I wonder who is going to start to ask the best question. 